Hey, Helen Hong. Hey, J. Keith Van Stratton. Hey, everybody listening. It is week two of the Max, Max Fun Drive. Drive. What is the Max Fun Drive, Helen? It is when the listeners and fans of Maximum Fun, including our show, Go Fact Yourself, put their money where their mouth is. That is right. <laughs> we ask for your support by becoming a new upgrading or boosting member of Maximum Fun and selecting Go Fact Yourself as a podcast you listen to. It's really how we make the money to make the show that you're listening to right now. Believe it or not, making our show is not free. A lot no. of actually money goes into the production of the show with editing and recording equipment and the Zoom and everything else that goes into doing a show as complicated as ours. Yeah, and especially now that we're back doing live shows, which we're so grateful to have our live audience there, there's additional expenses associated with that, with paying for the engineer, paying for a venue, all the expenses that come with putting on a live show. And we're happy to do it, and we're happy to thank you for supporting us, because Max Fun Drive is also a time when we offer special treats to our loyal listeners to thank you for supporting us. Uh, everyone who supports Max Fun gets access to hundreds of hours of bonus content, including a full episode that we recorded that is not available anywhere else. Only on the bonus content feed. Now, there's some other great perks from Max Fun, no matter what shows you support, and there are some that you only get if you support Go Fact Yourself. Everyone who supports us gets invited to participate in our second listener tournament. That's how the listeners you'll hear on today's show got to be on today's show. Yeah, now we've already met our first mini goal of 100 new upgrading and boosting members. Oh, wow, thank, thank you, you so much. much for that. Yes, absolutely. And we've already selected two of those people to record a special mini episode with us, which we'll be doing soon and releasing for you to hear. Woohoo, congrats to those two people. Yes, absolutely. Now, our main goal is 500 new upgrading and boosting members. What happens when we reach 500? All 500 of you will be eligible for a chance for two sit-ins as we record an episode over Zoom. Nobody else gets this opportunity unless they live with us. Yes, and I know Baby Hong loves being there. <laughs> but you don't have <laughs> does, to be Baby does Hong. He, does he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, we also have an exciting stretch goal that we'll announce later in this episode. It's all about making even more ways that you can be involved with the show and only if you're a supporter of us in the Maximum Fun Drive. And do you have any questions for us? If so, you can ask us on a special Twitter Spaces event we're doing this Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Time. That's Wednesday, March 29th. Now, Twitter Spaces is a live audio broadcast that you can listen to or participate in. All you need is to have a Twitter account, then follow us at GoFactorPod. Then on Wednesday, March 29th at 1 p.m. Pacific, just log on to Twitter, look for our Spaces thing, and listen or participate. It's super fun. In the meantime, please go to MaximumFun.org slash join and make sure you click on Go Fact Yourself as a podcast that you listen to and support. We are so grateful for your support and for listening. And now, please enjoy our first ever show where listeners are our guests. And remember, this could be you if you support us in the Max Fun Drive. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the special listener tournament of Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, recording remotely in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. How are you? Wonderful to see you. 
Nice to see you, J.K. We have got a very special episode. This is available only in our bonus content feed. So first of all, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for supporting Maximum Fun and supporting our show in the Max Fun Drive. Yes, thank you. Thanks, listeners. Well, uh, we've got something very special today. We have two listeners who supported our show in the Max Fun Drive last year and entered themselves, among many, many others, into a tournament. We put them through different puzzles and games. We did some interviews, and we narrowed it down to two guests who are wonderful supporters of the show, fans of the show. Dare we say super fans of Go Fact Yourself. I think they might be super fans, which is amazing <laughs> that we have super fans. I'm, I'm so humbled and, and impressed. And we're going to put them through the show that we would do with our celebrity contestants. They've picked topics. They're going to do the whole thing. It's going to be a great time. Um, it made me wonder, Helen, um, have you ever won a contest? I don't think I've ever won anything. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not lucky that way. Like some people, like they they enter raffles and they win all the time. Yeah. They they you know buy lottery tickets and they win all the time. I have never that I've never had that kind of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. All right. Well, I one time did call into a radio station and win tickets for the Radio City Music Hall Rockettes Easter show. And I showed up and it was very apparent that I think anyone who called in was going to win because the place was nearly empty. But it was still fun. I liked winning. Well, Helen, I hope you feel like a winner for hosting this show with me and especially this episode. I do, JK. Okay, good. He definitely did not have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. They are a corporate recruiter, avid runner, and dog mom, and a finalist of the Go Fact Yourself listener tournament. It's Lynn Fortman. Hi, Lynn. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. This oh, we're is so, awesome. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much, and congratulations on being here. You know, it's funny, a lot of times when uh, I am doing these uh, interviews, Reviews, these chats with our guests. I struggle to find out what are we going to talk about, and it turns out we have something to talk about from the very first word of Helen's intro. Yes, uh, because uh, <laughs> I had, I had uh, asked you about your pronouns, and you said, "Oh, please use she, they," and that's a relatively new thing for me. And uh, I asked you if you wanted to talk about that, and you said you were willing to. So, so tell us about where you are in that journey and uh, what's going on with you with that. Yeah, just like a lot of folks in the pandemic, it was a time for self reflection, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, just growing up, um, one, I'm a so for its audio, so I'm um, Korean um, American, and I was adopted by white people. Um, oh. And so my whole life, I've sort of struggled with being a transracial adoptee and never knowing quite when to fit in and feeling a little awkward in my body. But I've also never felt really. I'm assigned female at birth, but I've never really felt like a, a woman or female. I was never very attached to that. Um, I definitely never felt like I wasn't like I felt like I was a boy. So it wasn't that. But I definitely was like I just don't feel like I fit in either way. And then as these last few years, especially. It's more like, oh, I'm realizing there's non-binary, there's a non-binary umbrella, and I think I fall into that. I think just especially right now with what's happening in a lot of states with the transgender rights being taken away and, and squashed, I think it's an important time for folks to feel like, um, that they can talk about this and, and go on a journey if that is what they end up doing. So I appreciate you asking. Wow, thank you for sharing. That's yeah. so, and sharing so articulately. That's, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah so and so, cool. so some of our listeners may hear us refer to you as a she or as they, fine. and you're fine with either one. I'm fine with either one because Excellent. I still use she a lot of the times. There's uh, pockets of the population I'm not totally out to, so mm. she is fine with me. So thank you. Excellent. Mm. And that, that sounds, that's, that's a nice rhyme. 
Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> she yeah. is fine with me. Yes. <laughs> and they is also okay. Yes, oh, my God. I, guys, I think, oh. we just solved, I think we just solved pronoun issues. <laughs> <laughs> you are a corporate recruiter in your yes. day job. You find and interview people all day. Do you yes. have a particular specialty, the types of people that you try to uh, find? Um, I've done a little bit of everything in my career. Most recently, I've been in the tech industry. So I've worked for some big tech companies. I'm in the Seattle area. So deduce as you will, which companies those may have been. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, and so right now I'm at a smaller company. But yeah, so mostly engin- software engineers or mm-hmm. folks that work on the software behind the scenes building um, and not just engineers, but the other roles that go along with those. So For all the interviews that you've done over the years, is there anything you've learned about people that maybe you didn't know when you started? You were uh, surprised to know? It's really hard for people to talk about themselves. My style is a little more conversational than some people. And I really just do that so that um, people just can open up and I don't, they don't feel like they're being, you know, grilled under a hot lamp um, (laughs) while I'm asking them or very, you know, closed ended questions. I really just try to get them talking. So I just ask them, you know, what have they done recently? What are they most proud of? And it's, it's, uh, it can be tough for people. So it's hard for us to really, really promote ourselves and amp ourselves up and and highlight things that we feel that we're most, because we're trained to not do that. We feel like it's bragging. As a as a as a mild narcissist, I find that surprising. I'm just like, I can go on. What do you? What else do you want to stop me? Helen, there are other people waiting for this job. (laughs) (laughs) Last, I want to ask you about. You had volunteered that you wanted to give us a little message about Colon Cancer Awareness Month, which is happening uh, in March as we drop this episode, and that's something that means a lot to you personally. Uh, it, again, it does. Um, they've just lowered the age of your first colon cancer screening to 45. So do it. Um, I did it. I um, And they actually found something. Um, fortunately, they caught it early enough. They don't think all initial screens show that um, everything's coming back not malignant, which is what we want. But I here, do here. have to have surgery um, to remove it so that it doesn't uh, become something else in the future. It's not fun. I know, Jake Keith, you talked about it in an episode. <laughs> the prep is not fun, but it is definitely better than... Um, yeah finding surprises down the road. So do it. Everybody go get their their colonoscopy. Um, if you have, Amen. if you're lucky to have insurance, it's fully covered. So Awesome. And then uh, you mentioned that Helen and I have talked about our colonoscopies in the past, which some people were not thrilled about. Oh, uh, but well. would you agree that we are saving lives? For sure. A hundred percent. In fact, I was just re-listening to some of the episodes. I, this is my favorite podcast. I listen to it all the time Aww. on loop. <laughs> um, I think we have of, our winner today. I even <laughs> met our next guest. But Literally saving <laughs> lives by you both talking about this. So. I was kind oh, of joking about you. it, but uh, thank you for making it no. sound much more important. Yes. <laughs> appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Now, as a cancer survivor, I really appreciate that. And thank you for, for bringing it up again. Yes. And yeah, we should talk. We should be talking about it a lot, all the time. Yep. Well, on that happy note. I know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's wonderful that you joined us. Thank you so thank much. You. And congratulations and good luck today. Lynn Fortman, everybody. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Lynn be competing? He is a stay-at-home dad, community college student, and self-described blurred, and a finalist of the Go Fact Yourself Listener Tournament. It's Patrick Parker. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Jay Keith. Hi, Helen. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Patrick. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. You are joining us from Sacramento, I believe, today? Yes. Excellent. Helen mentioned that uh, you are a self-described blurred. Now, I learned from our previous guest, uh, Kara Mahorn, that that means black nerd. You describe Mm -hmm. yourself specifically as an all-purpose blurred. What do you mean by that? If it's a thing people are nerdy about, I'm probably nerdy about it, too. Okay. (laughs) I'm into, you know, TTRPGs and video games and wrestling and, like, all of the nerdy things. Comedy. a wide range though i mean a wide range yeah because like even like to like both star wars and star trek come on that's 
yeah. have you do no, it's, it's true. No, and, <laughs> and some people really dive deep into kind of one mm. nerd dumb, whereas I kind of glide over the top of many, many areas. <laughs> you're a, mm. a nerd dilettante. I'm a dilettante in all things. Oh, okay, great. Well, speaking of which, uh, you're a college student. Tell us about what you're studying. Yeah, so right now I am just taking some prerequisite classes to apply to MSW programs in the fall. Mm. Um, That's matches so of social work, I presume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, some somewhere in counseling, that range of of profession is where I'd like to be headed. And uh, your spouse is in academia as well. Yeah, she's a professor of science technology studies at UC Davis. So, wow, um, I hitched my wagon to a rocket. I, I have no <laughs> there. Science technology studies—that sounds so um, smart. impressive. Yes, impressive. And <laughs> smart. She is. Yeah. She is. Yeah, no, That's she has great. an award-winning book on the history of demography. She's now working on a book on behavioral genomics so very cool well you uh you help facilitate that by being a stay-at-home dad tell us about your kids so i have one daughter she's five and a half i kind of fell into being a stay-at-home dad by accident Mm -hmm. just that when we moved for my wife's job she happened to be pregnant and so yeah so a couple years of taking care of the kid early on when we had first moved to sacramento and then you know i was back on the job market in you know late 2019 early 2020 Ah. Uh, yeah, you know, and so it was just some, so for some reason, things just got really tight out there. Uh, around that time, so, <laughs> All of a sudden you enjoy um, staying at home a lot. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. but it's been, it's been great to have the extra time and to, you know, have, you know, an opportunity to see her in, in every day in a way that I wouldn't. Are there any, uh, special hacks that you've uh, discovered that uh, would help other dads? Cause you know, there's a, t- a stereotype about dads not knowing how to relate to, especially mm-hmm. to a, to mm-hmm. a young girl. Uh, what, what, yeah. what's the secret for you? I really think it's just pretend to be whatever whatever she's into mm. um, like i same, just same for I, dating by the way I, sure no, no, yeah no. no i mean it's it's real you know i've taken improv in the past so it's really a yes and oh, interesting you know she spent about 6 weeks last summer convinced she was a pokemon okay yeah. cool you're you're i call you raichu it's cool I, <laughs> um, we're gonna, you know so we just we just kind of flow with it um, me too and, my my um snuffu is now 22 months and uh i'm suddenly obsessed with trains and <laughs> and garbage trucks that's that's where mm-hmm. i'm at um, mm-hmm. my youtube feed is just all Garbage trucks, trains, and helicopters. Yeah, I had to. I made a separate YouTube account for her just because she was really messing with my notifications oh, or my, uh, smart, um, smart. my recommendations. Yes. I, I didn't do it with Spotify early enough. Um, and now, oh. now you got a lot of Baby Shark in your uh, feed. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like I the the, the main thing that we listen to is uh, the soundtrack to Over the Moon. So it's uh, when I asked you some of your interests, you said one of them was chastising myself for spending so much time on Twitter. Um, yeah. First of all, give yourself a break. It's it's designed to be addictive. But uh, know, how, how do you spend that time? on Twitter? How do you, how do you use uh, and encounter uh, Twitter? I first started Twitter during the pandemic. So um, just to kind of get more social life mm-hmm. and um, and connect with folks in, in, in t- tabletop games. And I originally said, all I'm going to do is just compliment people. I'm just going to get on with people that I appreciate and tell them that. And that lasted about three days before oh, no. I was hoping to some <laughs> discourse draw thing. And I've gotten away from that. I'm very quick with the block button, very, yeah. you know, I try not to get, you know, but I, I've also, you know, had some some meaningful interactions with people that I really like and respect and made some friends and, you know, gotten into some games and, you know, I appreciate the things that it can do mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the things that it does very badly <laughs> in, in, in my life. You just got to uh, sort of take what you like, so leave the rest. Yeah, Basically, yeah, and be willing to put it down and recognize yeah. that there are things in the world. Last thing I want to ask you about, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're into these tabletop games, especially RPGs. Mm-hmm. Now, I love tabletop games. I have never gotten into RPGs despite my nerdish bearing. What's a good entry point for somebody who wants to get into that? Because it seems like a real commitment and a real lifestyle that I don't know if I'm quite ready to engage. It can be and it's not, right? Mm-hmm. So there are... The 
the good news is right now there are so many games from so many different companies and just people throwing stuff up on itch.io and you know other other sites that you you can find a thing that suits you and I, I think the best thing is just to find somebody that you that you trust and like okay and go from there but yeah there are you know there's your 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 classic kind of D and D, which tends to be kind of long campaigns, doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. If there is a thing that you like, there is probably a game for it. Okay, well, if there's a TTRPG out there that involves kitty cats and traveling and baseball, someone please let me know because I'm in. But I, but in all seriousness, I really appreciate your uh, giving me that mm-hmm. entree. It's uh, it's something yeah, I hadn't uh, known Magical about. Kitty sa- uh, Magical Kitty saved the world from Atlas Entertainment. Um, We're is, in. Yeah, great game. All they have to do is play baseball, and I'm in. Awesome. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for being here today, and good luck to you as well, Patrick Parker. Everybody. Well, we of course are releasing this episode during the. Max Fund Drive, which is the one time of year we ask our listeners to participate in supporting our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. And uh, since we have two listeners here who have supported us, I thought we'd just take a moment and ask uh, each of you one at a time, why did you become a supporter of Go Fact Yourself in the Max Fund Drive? Patrick, let's start with you. Well, I've been a Max Fund donor for a little over 10 years now. Oh, wow. It's something that it really means a lot to me. Uh, Maximum Fun and the various shows, including Go Fact Yourself, is something that I – is a lot of what I listen to. As podcasts became more and more a part of my life, it's kind of like having that you know that friend that is accompanying you through – road trips and, you know, midnight feedings and various, you know, things that you have to do. It's just brought a lot more joy into my life than I feel like the value that I've, that I've paid back. I just, you know, boost a couple bucks every year and I feel great about that. I appreciate this, the, especially the new business model with being a worker owned cooperative. I like knowing that the, you know, the shows are great. It makes me happy. And I'm not going to argue. Um, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to say, this is the only, you know, I support several different networks, but this is the only one that's ever had a tournament that has ended up with me on an actual podcast. So that experience has been fantastic. So I, I can't uh, I can't encourage people enough to, to support Maximum Fun. And yeah, get on a Zoom call with Jake Heath and with Helen. It's, it's fantastic. Awesome. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, Lynn, what about you? Yeah, I started listening to the Go Factor Self podcast from episode one, and I was immediately hooked. I love game shows. I love the format. Uh, it was just so fun and witty. And the fact that there are celebrity participants or guests and then also the the celebrity experts and sometimes even when the topics I'm like oh gosh how are they gonna who are they gonna have for an expert I always learn something it's always such a feel-good show for me I always end up crying happy tears with each episode because the guests just get so excited I like when they fan out on each other sometimes (laughs) and it's every it pops into your feet and it's immediately what I look for so that I can start my day with it and then I think I've said before but I've gone back a few times and listened to previous episodes from episode one and I'm actually working my way through again and I'm on the I've hit the the quarantine podcasts. <laughs> and it was great how you could continue to pivot. And it was so, we, I so appreciate that you were able and willing to do that uh, from your homes and were able to continue that content for us, especially those first few months or first year where we were all still so stuck inside. But it's maximum fun overall is amazing. I do enjoy that they're pivoting to a worker owned cooperative as well. And I think the network is great. I also I've been giving for about five years and I try to boost a little every year as well. And I it's just an amazing thing that Jesse and his team have created. But all of my favorite podcasts, with the exception of a maybe two are on this network. Oh, so cool. Maximum Fun overall um, is top network. It's, it's the one I listen to the most. Thank you. So we've only got about 5% of our listeners who actually have converted to becoming supporters. If there are people who are maybe on the fence or maybe think, why should I support uh, Go Fact Yourself? What would you tell them, Lynn? 
you've said it before, you and Helen have mentioned it takes so much. And I was thinking back to when um, you were preparing the episodes for us and you turned it around so quickly. But I know you do all of the research, you, you and Jim, um, you create all of the questions. And then you actually have to reach out to the special special guest experts. And so that's all things that you guys are doing for free. So if you can boost and help support in any way that you can, I think it would be fabulous. It just, it just means so much that, that you take the time, you all take the time to do this for us. So definitely everyone support, even if it's just a few dollars a month, I think everyone, I should encourage everybody to be able to do that, to continue to bring this excellent content to us. Thank you so much. And uh, Patrick, what would you say to people who maybe haven't yet uh, made the decision to support the show or haven't made the decision to support support the show at a, at a higher level. I think that it's better to support the things that you enjoy and want to see in the world than to lament that they're gone or mm. lament that they were never to be in the first place. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's kind of brutal out there right now. And it's important to remember that it's not guaranteed to be here forever, that, you know, you might imagine that, oh yeah, the ads are giving so X much amount of money. Oh, there's so many other listeners that are supporting. The economics are much tighter than you think it is. And so, you know, even a couple bucks a month make, can make a really, really big difference. And high quality, professionally produced, where people are getting a living wage for working for MaxFun, you know, this is not a situation where they have an army of unpaid interns that are, you know, doing a lot of their work, right? This is you know, this is a company that's really trying to do the right thing in an environment where lots of folks are doing the wrong thing. Awesome. Well, we certainly appreciate that uh, both you and Lynn have given back to us. And just a little thing off of what you just said, Patrick, we do have advertisers on most of our episodes. We're super grateful for our sponsors. It is a tiny percentage compared to what we get from our members. And uh, as, as much as we're happy, especially to support products that I know and use and love like Magic Spoon, it doesn't come close to paying for what we need to uh, make the show and especially to make a wage. So if there's people out there who think, ah, they don't need my five bucks, they've got all this butcher box money. We're happy for butcher box's money, but it's not even a drop in the bucket compared to what we need and what we end up getting from our listeners. So thank you so much, Patrick and Lynn. Let's go back to the show. Patrick and Lynn, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Lynn, you said you know a lot about the CrossFit games, the comic strip for better or for worse by Lynn Johnston, and Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny podcast seasons four. 14 to current. Whereas Patrick, you said you know a lot about the movie A Christmas Story, Black Superheroes of Marvel Comics, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics, but first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Minute Maid. First up in Minute Maid is Lynn with Minute, or rather, Minute, because while they both might indicate that something is made small, what's the difference between the adjectives Minute and Miniature? Minute and miniature. I think minute means or refers to something in measurable quantities. Okay. And I think miniature refers as an adjective and it actually refers to when you're describing a, like a noun, like a miniature. I have a miniature schnauzer or when you collect miniature figurines. Okay. So. Uh, just to be clear, I, we're, we are specifically asking the difference between those as adjectives, if, if that changes oh, your okay. answer anyway. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Well, we've got Lynn's answer. We don't know yet if they are entirely correct. Patrick, if you think they've got it wrong, you have a chance to steal anything you want to change or add. I'm going to try and steal, even though I think she might be right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think minute just means something that is very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. And miniature means a small version of a thing that is usually larger or has a larger 
version of it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, this segment has gone on for too many minutes. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Minute just means small. Miniature means a smaller version of something larger. For example, you might call a child's chair minute. It's designed for a child's dimensions. But a dollhouse chair is miniature because it is a replica of an adult chair, but scaled down to size. Uh, that's right. Now, miniature can also refer to smaller breeds of a plant or animal, like a miniature poodle or schnauzer, as I believe Lynn said, uh, as well as those tiny bottles of booze you can get on an airplane, but I can never seem to get enough of. <laughs> Helen, how did our guest do? Patrick, I think you got both parts of that correct. Uh, all right. Now, Helen, Lynn did mention the thing about the animal. I don't know if you want to distribute the points any differently there. It's up to you. How about two points for Patrick and half a point for Lynn? Oh, the rare bonus. Half oh, a point you. for Lynn. Very, very nice. <laughs> all right. Up next in Minute Made is Patrick with Maid. Patrick, because you might need help keeping your collection of miniatures dusted, you'll want to get a maid. But since the word maid is fading in use, you instead will want to get a housekeeper or cleaning lady or cleaning person. Which leads to our question, what's the difference between a housekeeper and a cleaning lady or cleaning person? I think that a housekeeper is someone who has... Uh, responsibilities over the the whole home and maybe mm -hmm. does a variety of things other than just keeping things clean. Okay. Um, whereas a cleaning person is responsible mainly for just keeping things clean, keeping surfaces clean, and may not be doing things like dishes or you know laundry or other other aspects of housekeeping. All right, we've got Patrick's answer. Lynn, anything you want to change or add? I think he's right, but just to just in case, um, I was thinking housekeeper like Alice. So I'm going to say the difference is the length of time that they're there. Um, like a housekeeper, somebody who's there multiple times a week or full time live in, and a um, a cleaning person is somebody who just comes in and and does something very quickly. So maybe once a week, once a month. So that's what I'm going to say. All right. Well, this segment needs to be swept under the rug. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. A housekeeper is a regular employee who oversees all domestic tasks of a household, including, but not limited to, keeping things tidy. A housekeeper may also live at the house they keep. A cleaning lady or cleaning person is hired to come in on a periodic basis, like weekly or monthly, or even just once, to clean up after last night's rager. Oh, Helen, what a rager that was. <laughs> That's right. Also, a housekeeper generally will move things to keep your house uncluttered, while a cleaning person might just wipe down whatever clutter you happen to have out, which is why I, like many people, have to clean my apartment before the cleaning lady shows up. Helen, how did our guest do? Patrick, you did get... That the housekeeper has responsibilities mm -hmm. other than just cleaning. So that's definitely one point there. And then, Lynn, you got the, like, time element. How about one point each? How about one point each? Very nice. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Lynn Fortman has a point and a half, and Patrick Parker has three points. Well, those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, hey, everybody, you are listening to this as we enter the second and final week of the Max Fund Drive. Helen, what does the Max Fund Drive do? Max Fund Drive raises money through memberships to pay for the shows that we provide for you here on Maximum Fun, including our show, Go Fact Yourself. 
Yeah, our shows are directly supported by members. That is literally how we make shows by membership support. So this is the one time of the year that we put a lot of energy into letting you know how you can support the show as a member. And let's not forget, we've got some exciting goals and rewards, one that we're about to announce right now. First of all, Helen, what is our main goal? Our goal is to get 500 people to sign up, either new memberships, boosting or upgrading memberships, just 500 of you. That's less than the last year, by the way. Last year, our goal was much higher, and we didn't quite make it. This year, we're trying to be humble and modest, and we think we're going to get there. As we record this, we're actually about halfway, which is awesome, but also a little bit scary because this is the last <laughs> time we get to uh, to talk to you about it. So we really do hope that you participate. All right. Now, look, I have to tell you, last year, fewer than 5% of our regular listeners were contributing members to Max Fund Drive. Only 5%. But what that means is that even one more of you who is listening to me speak right now by becoming a new upgrading or boosting member can make a huge difference for us. A huge impact, more than shows with even more listeners. And I know not everyone can, but if we can bump up that participation rate to even 6 or 7%, that would make a huge difference for us. Absolutely. You can help keep the show free and accessible for everyone else. Think of the people who maybe can't afford to participate right now. You can help participate on their behalf. Be a leader. Support Go Fact Yourself in the Max Fund Drive. All right, now let's talk about some exciting stretch goals. Helen, what is our next magic number after 500? Okay, if we somehow get past 500, get to 650 new or boosting memberships, we will pick two more people to join us on Zoom while we record an episode. And I don't even know if I should announce this, but what the heck, let's shoot for the stars. If we somehow can get 700, 700 new boosting or upgrading members supporting us in the Max Fund Drive, we're going to add a second full listener episode, another full episode where you can possibly choose topics, be quizzed, meet celebrity experts. That is all going to happen a second time if we can get up to 700. That's twice as many chances for you to be on a full episode of Go Fact Yourself. Yeah, if you've ever listened to our podcast and thought, you know what? That would be so fun if I was a contestant. They picked topics that I was obsessed with. Well, here's your chance. So please, will you join us as a member? Go to MaximumFun.org slash join and make sure to select Go Fact Yourself as a podcast you listen to and support. You know, to boost your membership, if you're already a member, that's only another buck or two per month. And if you can go up to a full other level, you're going to get some great perks as well. We'll talk about that in our next break. So Helen, one more time, what's the website and what should people do when they get there? Go to MaximumFun.org slash join and make sure to select Go Fact Yourself as a podcast that you listen to and support. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting us. And now, more Go Fact Yourself. Welcome back to the Go Fact Yourself Listener Tournament with our guests, Lynn Fortman and Patrick Parker. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Lynn, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the CrossFit Games, the comic strip For Better or For Worse by Lynn Johnston, and Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny podcast, season 14 to the current. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the CrossFit Games means to you. I am a CrossFit enthusiast. I, I definitely am not the hardcore that you see people talk about where I do the crazy gymnastics or anything, but um, I do. You don't have a giant truck tire in your backyard? Uh, no, my sister does. My sister and her husband actually <laughs> own one. <laughs> own a gym, so a CrossFit gym. 
and the CrossFit Games specifically, it's sort of like the Olympics for CrossFit held every mm. year, and it brings com um, competitors from all across the globe. So, and it's becoming more and more of a global sport. So they compete in like swimming, biking. They have crazy implements. They do like ropes, obstacle courses. They climb pegboards. It's it's insane. They they make them walk on their hands. They do a lot of even the women do ring gymnastics movements like men do in the Olympics. It's pretty insane. So. So, Lynn, are you jacked? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> please, please, Helen, she's jilled. No, no. no, that's why I say I'm an enthusiast. If you were to look at me, you would definitely not say, yeah, she does yeah. CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the World Series, but I can't hit a ball past exactly. home plate. So, all right. Lynn, you also said you know a lot about the comic strip for better or for worse. It started in 1979, I think, and I've been reading it since the late 80s and have continued on. It actually, Lynn Johnston stopped creating the strip, I think in 2008. It's a family strip. It's based on a family, but they addressed issues like one of the characters came out as gay in the mid 90s. The characters actually age in this strip, so they don't mm. stay stagnant. They're not like Charlie Brown, who's forever I, I don't know how old he is, but um, they actually aged. <laughs> a, a, the, balding, a balding a, child. Yes. A balding, depressed child. Yeah. And it just really resonated with me for some reason. And I've just been such a great fan. And there were some animated specials. So I'm sort of a, a nerd about them. I have all of the, the animated specials on DVD. Oh, um, wow. I have all the collections. I still follow their, the website. It's in syndication. So it's still rerunning, much like Peanuts. You can most likely find it at any comic strip. So... That's awesome. Yeah. All right. And then finally, you said you know a lot about Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny podcast, seasons 14 to current. Yeah, I started listening probably around season 14, and mm -hmm. I just got hooked. I hear before that it was just trash. It was. It was yeah. really bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> that just happened to be how I thought. Around 2013, I really got into podcasts. And, and, you know, one podcast, you hear a guest, and then you try to find them on others, and it mm -hmm. led to another. Uh, I found uh, Go Factor Self because Jimmy was the first guest on, right. on this. And so, um, and I've been a listener ever since. But yeah, something about the podcast. I love the the four main uh, guys on the podcast. It's just fun. They always have amazing guests, but they have their regulars. There's a lot of inside jokes. Again, talking about community, like with CrossFit, mm -hmm. it's just very much a fun podcast to listen to, and you just feel like you're you're going to listen and, and be able to chat about it with um, with your with other fans. Yeah. Well, this is a topic I can relate to. I, I'm a longtime fan of the show. Helen and I have been guests on the show, and Jimmy's been very helpful for our show, both being on our first episode and also helping us with uh, various guests and events over the years. So, all right. Well. To summarize, Lynn, you said you know a lot about the CrossFit Games, the comic strip For Better or For Worse by Lynn Johnston, and Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny Podcast, seasons 14 to current. Today, we're going to quiz you about the comic strip For Better or For Worse by Yay! Lynn Johnston. All right, Yay! you seem happy about that. Yes. <laughs> what is your favorite era of the comic? As you mentioned, it's been running for a long time. I'm about the same age as the character, so mm -hmm. I would say um, probably like the the 90s through the early um, 2000s when they were aging around the same time that I was and they were oh, going sure. through similar events like Michael, the oldest son of the character in the strip, he got a serious girlfriend right around the time I started seriously dating. He started driving around that same time. Um, okay. So kind of around that, that, like, that time frame. I understand that when they've been running the strip lately, that the artist has done some updates, you know, taking yes. things out, putting things back in. Yes. Is that something that you've uh, noticed and tracked as well? I have. She's even released, I think, a few strips that weren't ever in the papers that kind of were from that time frame, but were able to be um, part of the story again. Oh, as wow. They've so you're, you're a real completist, it seems. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. And by the way, as I explain these things, <laughs> as I say the rules of our game, I realize these are the two people I least need to 
to say <laughs> what is going on and how the show works. But for any new listeners, here we go. Uh, now, Patrick, do listen closely because if Lena answers incorrectly, you can steal. Patrick, by the way, how much do you know about the comic strip for better or for worse? I have read it. I have enjoyed it. Uh, it has been a minute. Uh, so <laughs> I... Uh, I, I, I hope that Lynn gets all of them right. Oh, that's very Thank kind you. of you. All right. Well, Lynn, let's see if you can be a completist with your quiz. Here's okay. question number one. For better or for worse, centers around the Patterson family and their friends who encounter things like Boxing Day, bags of milk, and poutine because their fictional town, Millboro, is in what non-fictional country? Canada. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Fun fact, many fans of the strip were fooled when the character Michael announced he was moving away to go to university in London. Turned out it was the London in Canada and not the one in England. (laughs) All right, question number two. Eagle-eyed readers may have noticed that a young Elizabeth kept her money in a piggy bank that looked an awful lot like the title character from another popular comic. What comic strip Cat, which began national syndication in 1978 and is still running today, stored her savings? Uh, Garfield. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Fun fact, one of the celebrated elements of For Better or For Worse, as you mentioned, is that characters aged gradually, almost in real time. Liz was a baby when the strip began and readers saw her grow up, attend university, move to a fictional First Nation for several years, return to Millborough, and get married. All right, you're two for two. Here's question number three. One of the unique things about For Better or For Worse was, well, the worse, as several beloved characters died, some of them unexpectedly. But which of the following characters did not die during the course of the strip? Was it Ted McCauley's mom, Thelma the neighbor, Marion the grandma, Farley the dog, or Butterscotch the rabbit? Who survived the onslaught of For Better or For Worse? <laughs> um, I know the last three did for sure, but the first two. Can I have a hint, Helen? Helen, how about that first hint? Ted McCauley's mom did die during the strip. <laughs> so I will say Thelma the neighbor. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly oh, sorry, no! Lynn. Patrick with a chance to steal. Butterscotch the rabbit? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. A successful steal from Patrick. Mr. B the rabbit did die, but Butterscotch uh, survived the series. So a little bit of a tricky question, but of course, some of those are very well known. Fun fact, Peanuts creator Charles Schultz was so angered by the idea of Farley the dog's death that he'd threatened to have his Snoopy get hit by a car so nobody would notice that Farley died. (laughs) Yes. It's a very controversial storyline. Wait, Patrick, did you just know that or did you guess? That was a total – I mean, I knew about Farley because that was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. That was like Farley died heroically and – um, and so I remember, like, my mom was giving me updates about, like, how things were going <laughs> oh, with Farley. Oh, that's so sweet. And I think it was Farley and a, and a child, right, that yes. they were in danger, yeah. So, yes, Farley um, saved one of the children. That was a total guess. Uh, wow. All right, but very well done. Guesses are accepted yep. on the show. <laughs> BT Dubs, I yeah. don't read this strip, and now I'm never going to. Because oh. the dog like dies, emo- Helen, I'm sorry. Like emotionally just, just yeah. unforgiving. So Helen I'm is not. afraid of her feelings as regular yeah, listeners I hate know. feelings, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> down for this strip. No. And her stand-up comic, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. yeah. <laughs> All right, Lynn, let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. Michael and Weed shared ownership of a plastic toy who was always stuck naked to the window of their apartment. I think we just got Helen back. Uh, that, <laughs> that toy disappeared from their lives and the strip for more than two years before being rediscovered. What was the name of this toy or where was he found after going missing? Oh, well, I'm glad there was an option. So um, the toy was named Ned and I, I feel like... He was in uh, 
the trunk of someone's car, but I could be totally wrong about that. But Ned, for sure, I know that part. Is All right, way. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. It was Ned, Ned Tanner. He actually was found in the toilet or the plumbing or the sewer after okay. he'd been flushed down the toilet. A plumber came a couple years later <laughs> when some socks were flushed down the toilet and out came Ned. Uh, Fun fact, according to an interview, and again, I think this is what's going to get Helen back on this strip. According to an interview, Lynn Johnston liked drawing Ned because she was always trying to sneak a butt crack into the comics, which was forbidden, but Ned was small enough that she could get away with it. That is amazing. And yes, I am back on board. All right. Welcome on board, Helen. Teeny tiny right. butt crack. I'm, I'm yes. here for it. <laughs> All right, Lynn, here's question number five. You do still have a hint available. Okay. In the early 1990s, Tor Books published a series of paperback book collections of the For Better or For Worse strips. Name any one of these 10 book titles. Yeah, this one, I know it's the number five and it's tricky. Can I have a hint, please, Helen? Helen, how about that second hint? One of them is an old proverb that, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, means people who are unhappy like to share their troubles with others. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Think of a I'm, proverb that means yeah, people yeah. who are unhappy like to share their troubles with others. Oh, my mind's going totally blank. I was trying to remember what some of those um, first... Yeah, you can go with Helen's, the one from, yeah. that Helen's trying to guide you to, or you can go off on your own if you think you might have something else. Actually, I'm try- I'm, I am trying. know what she's talking about, and I, I literally cannot pull it. So um, I'm, I'm blanking. So I'm just going to say, I know this was one of the books, uh, a book, and not one of the series. Um, uh, I think it's just, Hi, Honey, We're Pregnant, I think is the name of one of the books. But is that what you're going to go with? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Helen, is it, Hi, Honey, We're Pregnant? No, I'm sorry, it is not. No, uh, that I believe was an early book of uh, the author, but not one of these that we're looking for. Patrick, with another chance to steal. Is that Misery Loves Company? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Patrick, with two successful steals. Yes, Misery (laughs) Loves Company. Uh, Fun fact, some of the other titles include Am I Too Big to Hug, Grandpas Are for Jumping On, and You Can Play in the Barn, But You Can't Get Dirty. All right, Lynn, you still did quite well on that, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Lynn Johnson has received great acclaim for her work on For Better or For Worse, including three particular accolades. In 1994, she was a finalist in editorial cartooning for a prestigious journalism prize for her storyline about Lawrence coming out as gay. In 1985, she became the first woman and first Canadian to win the Rubin Award for Cartoonist of the Year from an organization for which she later became president. And in 2019, she won an award from the Comic Art Professional Society, which was designed by and named for an expert who happened to appear on episode 115 of Go Fact Yourself in the topic of Mad Magazine. For up to three points, for what prestigious journalism award was Lynn Johnson a finalist in 1994, what organization awarded her the Rubin for Cartoonist of the Year in 1985, and what is the name of the award presented to her by the Comic Art Professional Society in 2019? Oh my gosh, these are so hard. Um, I'm not going to get any of these right, so I'm just going to guess. So the first one, I'm just going to say the Pulitzer. Um, (laughs) And then the second, I'm going to say Hasty Pudding Club. Okay. Um, And then the third, the organization that gave her the award? Uh, No, we're looking for the name of the award, which was designed by and named for a person who happened to be our expert on the topic of Mad Magazine. 
Uh, I literally just listened to that one too. I got so excited. Um, and um, I apologize to that expert. I'm blanking. So I'm just going to say the Alfred E. Newman Award. The Alfred E. Newman <laughs> Award. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the award-winning creator of For Better or For Worse. It's Lynn Johnston. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? I hope so. Lynn, are you oh, there? Gotcha. <gasps> I can't believe the questions you ask, and you know so many answers. Holy smokes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got two Lynns, uh, <laughs> so thank you both for making this an all-Lynn show. Lynn, our guest is getting a little uh, verklempt. Do you, need a, do you need a moment, or do you want to talk us through what's going on with you? I was kind of hoping if this was the topic that you would be the expert guest, but I grew up with your strip. It means so much to me. As I said, I have all the collections. My mom and I um, used to bond over it all the time. We would laugh. We had so many stuck to our fridge. And um, I just think you're amazing with what you've done with your strip and sharing your life. And I know it was loosely based on your life. And, and I know how April came to be in the world. And I just, uh, this means so much to me. It's it's amazing. My sister actually even did. I helped her do a high school project on your comic strip as well <laughs> that she presented. So yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell my sister, I'm going to run home and tell my sister, or run to my sister's house after this and tell her too. This is all. Awesome. Oh, um, wow. This is so great. I yes. love it. <laughs> uh, well, Ms. Johnson, uh, I'm sure you hear those kinds of things all the time, but uh, I can tell it still means an awful lot to you as well. Oh, it does. I mean, one of the best parts of the job was interacting with the people who read my work because mm. I, it made me feel good to know that my life was shared by all these other people who'd say, you're not crazy. It happened to me too, right? Well, let's talk about the strip. I was surprised to read that the, the idea of the characters aging was not a conscious decision. It was just something that evolved uh, as, as you were writing it. Yes, I, I initially I was going to keep everybody the same age because I thought that that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But when you're producing this amount of material, uh, it's very, very difficult to come up with something that actually works over that length of time. And so I started to get bored with what I was doing. If mm. you had to keep the characters the same age, but when my children were growing up, their vocabulary changed, their looks changed, their friends changed. I mean, so much was different and I didn't want to lose that. So I thought, well, if I age the characters in the strip, it would be a good idea. But I also had to make sure that my own children were not affected too seriously by this. Yeah. So I kept the kids in the strip younger for three years, let my own kids grow up. Yeah. And the characters in the strip aged uh, annually as the as we went forward, which was a real challenge. Actually, Yeah. yeah. Did you keep notes on, on different moments that you knew that three years later you could go back to or you just remembered? I kind of remembered, <laughs> but it was mostly looks and height that were difficult. Because <laughs> you, to, you know, you have to I, I mean, a three year old is a very tall person. Mm. You imagine that they're very short, but they come up quite Hi, next to you. Oh, and God. So I have a 22-month-old, and I'm just like, how? You're a giant. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, kids kids grow very quickly, and once they're walking around, they're tall. And, <laughs> and strong yeah. and destructive. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you're right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about uh, Peanuts earlier and mentioned about Charles Schultz. He was a big influence on you. Can you tell us more about your relationship with Charles? 
Well, I always loved his work because he spoke up to kids, not mm. down. It was uh, And I remember my grandfather saying, oh, this is ridiculous. Children don't speak that way. Well, no, <laughs> we didn't, but we thought that way. We absolutely mm. know what's fair and what isn't fair. And you know who you can trust and who you can't trust. And our vocabularies are limited because we don't have the experience, but our understanding of human nature is right on point. Mm. So as a little kid, I appreciated the fact that all of these characters in Peanuts spoke up to us, spoke to us at our our level of intelligence. And I, I think that's what one of the things that made Peanuts such a, an essential for all of us as, grow, as we grew up and as adults looking back, you know, it's, it was a wonderful strip. And to meet uh, Sparky Schultz in person was one of the most oh, thrilling gosh. things. And because how often do you meet your heroes, right? right. I, and to stay in their guest house and borrow their car. I what? Mean, oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> you, you drove the Schultz mobile? <laughs> well, yeah. When people say, how well do you know Charles yeah. Schultz? I would say I've seen him in his pajamas. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unlike a lot of other comic strip uh, writers and artists, you actually went to art school. Did that actually help you with your uh, with that work? I know that wasn't necessarily what you why you went to art school, but the, did those techniques show up in your work? More or less. What happened in art school is I realized I couldn't take anything seriously. I just, oh. I desperately wanted to be in animation and car, mm. comic art and graphic arts. And there, it was a fine arts college. And so it was very frustrating for me and I couldn't take things seriously. I would draw my anatomy drawings, you know, I put uh, funny expressions on the characters and I remember <laughs> we had images of uh, different, you know, like the statues and things like that. And mm -hmm. I remember blowing wire wool in the armpits of one of the statues. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me was years after I quit art school and I had gone to, I worked in an animation studio, but moved to Ontario where I couldn't get a job in animation. And I got a job at a medical school and that that was the best thing ever because I learned anatomy mm. right right from the toes to the top of your head and every <laughs> yeah. muscle and every bone. And really, to be a good artist, you have to know your anatomy. And that helped me so much. Is that where you mastered the butt crack? <laughs> well, I think we all mastered that very early okay. on. <laughs> the drawing, yeah. I can't draw very well, but I I, I think I can do the little a, a little comma <laughs> in the backside. My nine, my nine-year-old grandson is focused on these things now and is very appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned that the strip was still running with about it's about a 30-year lag from when it originally ran to, to it is now and that you've done these updates. It was just last year that uh, the story that got you such a claim about the, the coming out of one of the characters uh, ran again. What was that like to revisit that uh, some 30 years later? We were all kind of wondering what would happen. We were hoping nothing. And that's exactly what happened. It was a non-issue. Thank you very much, world, because yeah. it's the time it was a non-issue. But when it ran the first time, it was the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me because I had my phone rang from seven in the morning till 11 at night. We got over 3,000 letters and that was before email. So it was all hard copy bags of letters would come in from the post office and 70% were positive, but the negative ones were mm. so horrific and threatening that I was glad I lived in a remote Northern community. <laughs> yeah. Inaccessible. And I, I'll just briefly say that m almost all of the editors were very, very supportive. But if you're the editor in a tiny little town where everybody can find you at your local coffee shop, mm. these editors were inundated with threats. And one guy said, my kids have been threatened at school. My dog was spray painted. My house was egged. 
And even though I agree with you and I'm supportive of the storyline, uh, we can't run it. So we had offered alternate material that many of the editors never read that letter and they just ran it because it was easier just to fire whatever came in into the paper. Yeah. And so some editors were, they said, blindsided, but we did offer them uh, a number of weeks of alternate material. So at the time, it was a, a real issue, but thank goodness uh, it isn't now. But the results were fabulous because mm -hmm. letters came from people who said, I haven't spoken to my daughter for three years. I called her this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> Great, great letters like that. And kids, uh, mostly young people saying, I I didn't think that people would understand me. But yeah, when I approached my parents, uh, they were welcoming and it was okay. And, you know, it was all the opening doors and dialogue. You know, it was great. Mm. I just was so thrilled with that. I think my favorite statistic from that era was, if I read right, you lost about 19 papers, but you picked up about 53 more. We did. <laughs> <Yeah>. We did. <laughs> because as, as one paper would drop me, another yeah. would pick up so it was uh, it was interesting it yeah. really was. not that that's why you did it but it happened to be good for business as well yeah no, i did it because it's part of my family i right. was writing about my family and my brother-in-law uh, actually he was chopping wood in the backyard and he was chopping our firewood to the point where i went out and i said what's wrong and he was taking just whacking the firewood and he said i'm sick and tired of my mother introducing me to nice girls because i'm not going to marry a woman do you understand and whack whack and i said well absolutely so it was his story and mm. he told his mom and dad and his mom said oh all these years i've been looking for a nice girl for my son should have been looking for a nice boy so <laughs> she she was very welcoming and Aww. it was okay with her and they said, all of them said, well, we can't tell dad because he's got a weak heart. And then we had a little family inter intervention and said, we have to tell dad. And he looked at, at us and he looked at his son and he said, I've known since you were 11. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Well, it's amazing. Yeah, the dialogues that that sparked for sure. Wow. Lynn, as someone who hates having feelings, I, uh, I'm very <laughs> resentful right now. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to ask you about, uh, you mentioned to me that you are now, since, the, since you're not making new versions of the strip are trying to reinvent yourself. Tell us about the new projects that you're working on. So I'm creating a whole series of children's books. It's a new series, not based on For Better, For Worse. It's on uh, robotic characters. And we have fabric designs out there. And we have animation that we're working on, computer games. I'm learning how to, to do illustrations for computer games. And the shocker is that these incredibly talented designers of computer games don't draw. They oh, don't wow. Know. They huh. cannot draw. They, they'll they send you stick figures and say, yeah. well, we want the character to go from left to right and we want a ball. <laughs> you know, but we can't draw the hill and we can't yeah. draw, you know. And so as an artist now, I'm finding I have I have skills that the young, new, talented electronic media people don't have. So those of you who can draw out there, get busy with computer games because these guys don't know how to draw stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of our guest, Lynn. We wanted to know for what prestigious journalism award was Lynn Johnson a finalist for the coming out story of her character, Lawrence, in 1994? Helen, what did our guest, Lynn, say? Lynn said the Pulitzer. And Lynn Johnston? That's correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. And congratulations on that. All right. Next, we want to know what organization awarded Lynn Johnson the Rubin for Cartoonist of the Year in 1985. Helen, what did Lynn say? Lynn, our guest, said the Hasty Pudding Club. And Ms. Johnston? Well, it was the National Cartoonist Society. But isn't Hasty Pudding a British 
bunch. I think I it's mean, a I comedy group at Harvard, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, they, wow. they, they have okay. a, they have an well, annual humor prize. Yes. No, it was a National Cartoonist Society. Oh, National Cartoonist Society. Yes. You, you have not gotten the Hasty Pudding Award yet. <laughs> I'm going to emphasize yet. yet. We're putting it out there. All right. I'm sorry. No point. No point there. Uh, and finally, wanted to know what is the name of the award presented to Lynn Johnston by the Comic Art Professional Society in 2019 that was designed and named for an expert who had been on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, what did Lynn say? Lynn said the Alfred E. Newman Award. And Ms. Johnston? Well, that's super close. It's a Sergio Award for Sergio Aragonis. Yes, who we were fortunate enough to have. One that does those little wonderful illustrations that go down the corners of the, the page. margins. Yes. yes. Before we let you go, Lynn, our guest, while we have Lynn, our expert here, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask of her? I mean, I could talk to you all day, but I thank you again for being such a part of my growing up. And, and um, I'm just curious, you know, I do read the strips regularly. And I, like I said, I have all the collections and, and such, but I'm just curious, what do you think the kids are doing now? Actually, there was a whole pile of stuff actually on our website about what they're doing now, but we're working on a possible live action series. All of that is super important right now because we're checking right through to all of my archivists and the other folks that I work with are going through each one of the characters to flesh them out as well as they can to, you know, give the writers something to work with. Oh, it may never God. happen. We've been offered these opportunities many times before, mm -hmm. but we've turned everybody down. You know, they'll say, can you make the dog talk? And can we have Elizabeth do pole dancing? Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. They want some pretty, pretty uh, graphic stuff. And you say, well, that's not quite what I had in mind. So, uh, so this is the, it's a Canadian bunch and we really like them a lot. And, you know, you never know. Yeah. Sure. It's in the works. And because of that, we're sure. really looking at what everybody's doing now. Well, our listeners couldn't uh, see, but uh, as soon as you mentioned that possibility, our guest <laughs> Lynn just beamed. So we we, we, uh, we hope for fellow fans of the strip and of you that that's something that comes to fruition. We're so happy that you joined us. I, I've been doing a deep dive into your work and, and you this week, and I, I just continue to be so impressed by the breadth and the depth of the content that, that you've created. It obviously means so much to so many people, and we really appreciate your joining us. So people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they do that? You can just go F-B-O-R-F-W dot Com and it will get you right to our website. There's quite a bit on that website. So uh, boil up a coffee and sit down. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> website. And uh, you've been a fantastic expert for us. Thanks for joining us. Lynn Johnson, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to meet you. You too. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Lynn Fortman has five and a half points and Patrick Parker has five points with a round of questions for Patrick coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Patrick about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Lynn and Patrick will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, everybody, it's Jay Keith and Helen here. We just wanted to read a member comment that we got. You might be thinking, why should I support them in the Max Fund Drive? What's so great about Go Fact Yourself? Well, we have an actual listener who sent in a comment to tell us. Helen, why don't you go ahead and read that? I've been with Go Fact Yourself from close to the beginning, or at least close enough to remember, make them feel dumb. <laughs> remember that? I do. The reason why <laughs> the reason why this is a must listen for me is the frequent occurrence of connecting our idols with their idols during the cluster fact. Ooh. I have had to stop my car to cry more than once. Thanks, Moster. Rhymes with toaster from Oxford, Connecticut, USA. Oh my gosh, Moster! We made you cry. I hope we made him laugh as well. Um, gosh, Moster, that was such a nice comment. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, you know, 
listeners of Go Fact Yourself, whether our show made you cry or laugh or just learn something or think or go, whoa, that was so cool. This is your chance to show us that you appreciate that. This is how we make the show. We make the show with donations from our listeners. And this is how you can help provide more of those moments for yourself as well as people who can't afford to join. I am very moved and touched and humbled by uh, comments like that. And it just goes to show you that, you know, this is a show that because we're on Max Fun means that we get to connect with our listeners. This isn't something that we uh, put out there in a corporate kind of environment. This isn't something that uh, we make make because we've got sponsors who are telling us what to do. This is a show that we make for our listeners. And when we hear from our listeners who get what we're doing like that, it means the world to us. And we can keep making more shows like that if you support us in the Max Fund Drive. So thanks again, Moster. Now, maybe that's not enough for you. Maybe you want some gifts. We have gifts because if you support <laughs> Max Fund at $5 a month or more, you will get hundreds of hours of bonus content. Oh, Helen, our BOCO episode this year was, I believe, as you like to say, Fire. Fire. It was fire. We're giving away so many cool things. We have a sticker if you join or upgrade at $10 a month or more. It's a really groovy sticker. One of the grooviest things about the sticker is mm-hmm. that it's re-stickable. Mm-hmm. So you can stick it on your laptop and then pull it off and stick it on your water bottle and then pull it off and stick it on your child if wow. you want. Okay. Yeah. Not quite recommending that, uh, just as a disclaimer. Uh, but yeah, it but, is a- but then everyone else <laughs> will know in the world that your child and you love Go Fact Yourself. Yes, that is the point that I was hoping to make, which is that you can identify yourself as a listener to our show and hopefully connect with other listeners as well, or at least strike up a conversation conversation about our show and why you love smart trivia and silly stuff that we do. Oh my gosh. And if uh, you join Max Fun at the $20 level or above, you can choose to get a cookbook. And uh, Helen, who has a recipe in that Max Fun cookbook this year? Me. I do. I submitted a recipe for uh, like a childhood dish that I was made by my mom as a child, which I thought was so special. And then I grew up and learned everybody's Korean mom makes this <laughs> dish. So I felt a little bit less special, but it is a delicious dish and guaranteed to uh, please your little ones. Excellent. So if you want to know how to make it the right way, you're going to want to get that Max Fun Family Cookbook. So will you please join us as a member? How do you do that, Helen? Go to MaximumFun.org slash join and make sure you click on Go Fact Yourself as a show that you support. That's the important part. And you know what else is the important part? You, our listeners, thank you so much for listening and supporting our show. Now, more Go Fact Yourself. Welcome back to the Go Fact Yourself Listener Tournament with our guests, Lynn Fortman and Patrick Parker. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Patrick, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie A Christmas Story, Black Superheroes of Marvel Comics, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the movie A Christmas Story means to you. It's my favorite movie. I've seen it dozens, if not hundreds of times. I have a leg lamp uh, on my nightstand. <laughs> nice. As a, as a gift uh, from, my, from my mom. From your I, mom? You know, That's fantastic. From my mom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She knows. She knows. Um... <laughs> There's something I think that keeps a through line between this and Mr. Rogers is that Mm. they both have a deep respect and they stay focused in this world of children Mm. and they really respect what the world looks like through a child's eyes. And that's something that I see every time I watch the movie. It just there are things that, you know, it's set in the 40s, made in the 80s, but it still feels like childhood. There's still things that are that are the same. And I really appreciate that. All right. You also said, you know, and love black superheroes of Marvel Comics. Well, I'm, I'm black and... 
I like superheroes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big part of it growing up. But also, you know, growing up, I always appreciated it because I got to see somebody like me. I know that's something a lot of folks say Mm -hmm. in media. Something I came to realize as I was getting older was that, you know, white was always the default. Mm. Human Torch, Spider-Man, they're white, but it's not like no one's like, okay, we need a white character Uh this time. Mm. Or whenever there was a hero that was a woman or was was non-white or from, you know, that was a choice Uh. that someone decided that it's actually important for this character to be black, to be Asian, to diversify and to get that out there. And I I really appreciate Uh that. And what is it about Marvel comics uh, specifically that appeals to you? I think it's the one that I've read the most. Okay. That was, you know, I was an X-Men kid growing up. Um, of course, with the name Patrick Parker, I have gotten the spider, Spidey nickname yes. more than once in my life. Um, and so I have a, you know, a deep connection with, with, with Spider-Man. But also that I think Marvel has done a really interesting thing in that they've gone back and written comic stories about black heroes set in time periods when they were not publishing Black Heroes. Oh, so interesting. They had a series, uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black, where they reveal that the Captain America experiments that, you know, made Captain America, well, they tested that on Black soldiers first because they wanted to, you know, make sure that that- you They know, always do. They right well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> it was it was based loosely on the Tuskegee experiments. Sure. And so seeing something like that, where they're playing with this over decades, was, I think, really, really a cool thing. All right. And then finally, you said you know and love Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. What don't I love about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? I watched it as a kid, like I think lots of us did. But when I was in grad school uh, about 10 years ago, I was basically in an extended anxiety spiral, which is what grad school (laughs) is for a lot of people. And I saw that they had added the neighborhood, some of the shows to Netflix. And so I just one night, I'm like, okay, let's let's just let's do this. And it was so calming and peaceful and made me feel good about myself, which is the whole point. And I just it reminds me that there is the world we have is the world people have chosen and we can choose a better one. Mm. Now as a parent, you know, that message of you are special, you are loved and you deserve to be loved exactly as you are. I think if more of us felt that growing up, maybe we, we would, wouldn't be so hard for us to feel that as adults. Mm. Well, to summarize, Patrick, you said you know a lot about the movie A Christmas Story, Black Superheroes of Marvel Comics and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Today, we're going to quiz you about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Patrick raising his hands triumphantly. <laughs> Were you hoping for this one, Patrick? I love all three of these things. I would have been happy with anyone, but this is just, this is really dear to my heart. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, which we are already seeing, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Of course, you can have two hints for any of these five questions. All right, now, Lynn, do listen closely because if Patrick answers incorrectly, you could steal. Lynn, how much do you know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? A fair bit. I, you can't see it off. I have a Funko Pop of Mr. Rogers myself. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. We got merch versus merch here. Let's yeah. see what's going to happen. All right, Patrick, it's on you. Here's question number one. Mr. Rogers was known for his wardrobe, which featured a massive collection of one particular item, most of which had a label sewn into the neck reading Made with Love by Nancy Flagg. What was this iconic garment? A cardigan sweater. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact, Nancy Flagg was Fred Rogers' mother who made many of his sweaters, one of which is on display at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. During one early episode, Mr. Rogers buttoned his sweater wrong, but he opted to use the footage anyway to show children that even grown-ups make mistakes. And boy, do we. (laughs) All right, here's question number two. Though Mr. Rogers seems to be the least controversial person in history, this was not the case. In a memorable 1969 episode, Mr. Rogers, weary from the hot weather, cools his feet by soaking them in an outdoor wading pool. He then invites Officer Clemens to join him, which he does. Why was this moment seen as Fred Rogers taking a stand? Uh, Because uh, Francois Clemens is black, and this was a scene of at a time when, you know, there were still, and still are, you know, segregated swimming pools here was 
a white man and a black man and a black police officer at that sharing this uh, this moment in the in the pool. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. Very well stated as well. You did not need the hint, but Helen, what would that hint have been? It rhymes with blacial blinequality. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for laughing. Thank Thank you both for laughing and thank you, Helen. It sure does. In all seriousness, fun fact, Mr. Rogers didn't just share the pool. He also dried Officer Clements' feet. When the actor, Francois Clemens, who played the police officer, left the show in 1993, he and Mr. Rogers recreated the scene for his final episode. For our listeners who have not seen the scene, I highly recommend you watch and consider the context of what was going on in America at the time. Pretty amazing. All right, question number three. Patrick, though not exactly a show known for welcoming special guest stars, a number of celebrities did visit Mr. Rogers' neighborhood over the years, and some of those were fellow personalities from public television. But which of the following PBS stars did not appear on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Was it Julia Child from The French Chef, Big Bird from Sesame Street, LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow, Rita Moreno from The Electric Company, or Bob Ross from The Joy of Painting? Uh, Bob Ross never appeared. Very quickly answered. Helen, is he right? That is correct. That is correct. Very nicely wow. done. You just happened to know that right away? Did you know the others or you just knew that Bob did not yeah, appear? Yeah, I was just counting down the others because they were all pretty famous episodes. I'm trying to envision what a Bob Ross appearance on Mr. Rogers would be like. <laughs> Happy little, happy little kitten. Fun fact, other non-PBS celebrities who appeared on the show included Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk, Margaret Hamilton, the witch from The Wizard of Oz, and Yo-Yo Ma, the famous cellist. And 40 years before being nominated for an Oscar, Michael Keaton, who worked behind the scenes on the show, appeared on screen as part of a performance by the Flying Zucchini Brothers Daredevil Circus for King Friday's birthday party in 1975. All right, Patrick, you're three for three. Here's question number four. You still have your hints available. Because it was partly filmed in Pittsburgh, there is some cast overlap between Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and an Oscar-winning film that is about as far away in tone from the neighborhood as you could imagine. In that film, the neighborhood's Chef Brockett plays a friendly psychopath, while neighbor Aber and Mr. Early play serious members of law enforcement. What is this film? I know the answer, but I really want to hear Helen's hint. Can I? (laughs) Helen, how about that first hint? I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Is that what you were hoping for, Patrick? Uh, It's everything I've ever wanted. Um, uh, It's Silence of the Lambs. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, we welcome the Oscar-winning producer of Silence of the Lambs and his Oscar on episode 120 of Go Fact Yourself, probably one of my favorite segments we've ever done. All right, you are four for four. You have a chance to go five for five. An annual highlight of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was when opera master John Reardon would visit the neighborhood of make-believe and spend four days preparing an opera that the neighbors would perform on Friday. Name the title of any two of these 12-plus operas. So my personal favorite is A Star for Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another one I really like is uh, Trouble in Bubble Land. Helen? Not quite correct. Not entirely correct. No. Lynn with a chance to steal. Oh, um... Daniel Tiger goes to the zoo. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> Helen, is that one of the other ones? No, that is not one of the other ones. No, no, no. Patrick, uh, you were correct with a star for Katie. I think you were thinking of Windstorm in Bubble Windstorm Land. Windstorm in Bubble Land. Windstorm yeah. in Bubble Land. Uh, Helen, how would you like to score that based on uh, that answer? How about half a point? Half a point for that. All right. Very nice. Some of the others were the babysitting opera, the camping opera, the uncle of the monkey, snow people, and potato bugs and cows. Fun fact, John Reardon was a classmate and friend of Fred Rogers at Rollins College. His singing and acting talents took him to leading roles on Broadway and with the Metropolitan Opera. All right, Patrick, you did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. As Mr. and Mrs. McFeely, David Newell and Elizabeth Siemens are the only neighbors in Mr. Rogers' real neighborhood who don't use their real last names. For up to three points, what is Mr. McFeely's first name? What is the name of Mr. McFeely's rapid courier service? And what animated spinoff of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood currently on the air features the character of Mr. McFeely, but voiced by a different actor? So Mr. McFeely's name is uh, David Alexander McFeely. Um, Middle name, too. Impressive. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the delivery service is Speedy Delivery. Mm-hmm. The name of the cartoon is uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a man who worked for nearly 50 years in various roles for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, including on camera in hundreds of episodes as Mr. McFeely. It's David Newell. Hello, Mr. McNewell. I am here. Uh, I, I'm here. I can't believe it's you. Biddy delivery. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hello, wow. Patrick. Hello, oh gosh, hello, Lynn. Really yeah, hello, Mr. Newell. This is this is so cool. <laughs> Patrick and Lynn, you know so much. You know more about the uh, program than I think I do. But uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for all of those answers. You're both so articulate, and this, you're right. This is my fifty. Fifth year, I believe, on Mr. <gasps> Rogers' Neighborhood. And wow. It's been a, you know, there's a saying, uh, you probably heard it. Uh, uh, when you pick a career, pick something you love because you'll never work a day in your life. And mm-hmm. I've never worked a day in my life in 50 years because uh. I love what I was doing so much on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Do you ever get used to seeing reactions like uh, you're getting from Patrick and Lynn right now? Uh, yeah, a, a lot of times because you know you go you you sort of grow out of the neighborhood around six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Then it's then it becomes something you don't want to watch, and then when they get into teenage and college years, as Patrick was saying, they come back to it again. The average age of the first viewers, the first wave of viewers, mm-hmm. are now in their fifties, and mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm getting the children. And grandchildren, wow! And, wow. and I'm still delivering. I'm, I'm st- <laughs> you know, you you're, sure? you're you're talking about comic books and so forth. I've been doing a lot of comic cons. Mm-hmm. The feedback that you get from the people who come up to you is wonderful. That's why I like doing them is meeting the the viewers who grew up with the program, like you and, two. And uh, you've got a bit of a collection of some items uh, yourself. Can you tell us about the few things that we're seeing behind you? And there's oh, one that's behind your head. Look at that. Well, there's. Can you see it? Yeah, that is, that is a Mr. Rogers sweater, and it's framed, hanging on my wall in my office. And I'll tell you, uh, tell you how it got there. Please. Fred gave it to me. Uh, he said, oh, "I'm not going to use this sweater anymore. Well, you, you can have it." Uh, so I took it home, put it in our closet, in our bedroom upstairs, and my son, years later, found it 
And for my birthday, he snuck it out of the house, had it framed, and gave it to me for my birthday. And I treasure Aww. it. My son Alex, he's our youngest, and uh, he really, he really grew up with the program. I said, our other two did. We have three children: mm-hmm. T- Taylor, Catherine, and Alex, mm-hmm. and they all grew up the neighborhood. Did I read correctly that Alex at one point actually became a postal carrier? He did. You're right. <laughs> he is a postal carrier. He wanted to get into uh, some sort of management job, and he took the civil service test and they passed it and he said well you know you've got you can start out a route on a and on the mail route and he does and that's he, amazing he, and now everybody on the route they 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 found this out and yeah. they wrote an article in the paper about it and a lot of his a lot of his customers greet him with speedy delivery <laughs> oh that's fantastic that's fantastic yeah i don't know does it count as nepotism if uh <laughs> if it's your father playing a character <laughs> yeah but he loves his his job and he gets so much feedback from the people he's so good at what he does Aww. and i think that is part of of growing up with mr rogers neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> that's great well you were there for the very first show back in 1967 what, what do you remember about that first day it was underwritten by the sears robux foundation mm-hmm. and uh the first day I was in charge of all the props and had to get everything ready, costumes, props. Then I had to get into my costume for being Mr. McFeely. Uh, we all, I was all set to go. The phone rang, and it was uh, Sears Robux uh, Foundation calling, giving us well wishes for the first taping. Mm-hmm. And my name was going to be Mr. McCurdy. That was the name that Fred had picked because it was the president of the Sears Robux Foundation. And he said, everything's fine, but please don't call the, the delivery man, Mr. Mercredi. Maybe see, it's a little too close for comfort. So, so Fred came back in the studio and I could tell he was, he was thinking, he said, we've got to get you a new name. We uh, start taping in 10 minutes. And before <laughs> he finished that sentence, he said, McFeely, that's who you are now. You're McFeely because that's his middle name, Fred McFeely Rogers. And, and here I am. We started the first program. I delivered an armadillo. Which was part of the of the, of the can't, that's too long to go into. But I delivered an armadillo. We looked at it, and I said, "Well, I have to get it back to the zoo now, Mister Rogers." And I turned to him out of the blue and said, "Speedy delivery." And he said, "Speedy delivery, Mister McFeely." And off I went, and that's how Speedy Delivery began. Was so, not in the script. What? It just came to you. It just came to me. Of course, my. Code has the speedy delivery yeah. label, and I'm a one-man speedy delivery service, and it's uh, been a wonderful, wonderful time working in the wow. neighborhood. <laughs> well, looking back over the years, there were segments where you would just do a delivery and then leave. You would uh, explore factory tours that, uh, yes. that you guys had gone on, do explainers, do interviews. What, what were your favorite kinds of segments? Oh, I, I was just giving a, a, a at the University of Pittsburgh last week. We were doing a, a, a class on the program, and I took one of the uh, videos. Mm-hmm. And it was how people make macaroni, and it's it's it's, it's the process because children every all yeah. the all the films had something that related to children. Macaroni, a lot of children have macaroni, sure. and it's fascinating to see how something is made. But uh, the macaroni was one of, of my favorite uh, films to narrate. Another one was going to a trombone factory, and they have a <laughs> long long piece of copper and a machine swirls it around and makes it a. Handle yeah. whatever that's called. 
Fascinating. Yeah. You've talked about Fred Rogers a lot in the relationship that you've had. And um, I- I've heard you say that he was probably the kindest person I ever knew. And I know people yes. ask you a lot of times about his kindness. What do you make of people being so surprised that he was actually that kind? I think they see television and they know there's a persona on television mm. of a lot of people and there is not. And his wife was asked all the time, what's Fred like at home? And does he throw mm-hmm. a sneaker across the room and he's mad? <laughs> <laughs> No, he didn't. He, You know how you could tell when he was a little upset if something went wrong on the set, the, set, the camera would blow a tube or something. He'd go over to the piano in our studio. We had mm-hmm. live piano. Mm-hmm. Sit down and play the piano. He always said that his anger and the frustrations came out through his fingers. Mm. He was a musician, too. And yeah. he wrote all the songs on the program, too, for the most part. Including so, the Speedy Delivery song? Including the Speedy Delivery song. And I'm not a singer, but if we ever had a, a minute to use up, he could tell, and I'd be delivering something, and there'd be a minute over or under. He'd mm-hmm. say, hey, Mr. McFeely, before you go, singer Speedy Delivery song. <laughs> with, with no rehearsal. Oh, but our, pe- our penis, Johnny Costa, was so good, he could... And I'm not a singer, but I got through it. And Fred would just stand there smiling, <laughs> chuckling. <laughs> Knowing that you set you up for something. Yeah. yeah, and he knew I could get through it. And he knew that I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit all the right notes. But he, mm-hmm. in fact, he smiled more when I hit a wrong note. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned working for over 50 years in various roles uh, in the Mr. Rogers world. One of those was for a long time working in public relations. How did you transition into that role? And, and what did you do exactly there? I was uh, the production coordinator. I was in charge of all of the uh, uh, props and costumes. But as time went on for about 10 years, I would go out to PBS stations for visits because they'd want Fred to come. And we were taping around the clock. He couldn't do uh, But the, he said, well, why don't you go and, and represent the program? So I started doing that. And as, as before I'd go, I'd set up the, the I'd send pictures out, some information about the program and so forth. So I got into PRing my own appearances at public stations and gradually I grew into the position of being PR for the company. And um, I continued doing appearances all over the country. I've been to every state, including Guam, (laughs) (laughs) visiting visiting public stations. And it was, oh, such an experience to to meet the people who grew up with the program. Yeah, well, let's do a little PR now. Uh, Fred Rogers Productions has a couple shows uh, that are still part of the Mr. Rogers world. One of them is called Donkey Hody, which is, I think, one of the characters from the Land of Make Believe. Donkey Hody. And that's a live action show. It actually features some of the puppets that people will remember from the neighborhood. That's right. Donkey Hody is a donkey. And it's a female donkey puppet. It was a hand puppet in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now it's into a full-fledged puppet. That's one of the programs. And, of course, you know about Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Uh, That is very successful on public television. These are on public television, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then there is a a newer one, which is not related to the, the, the Fred Rogers production makes it, but it's not related to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's called Alma's Way. And it was uh, written and produced by uh, Sonia from uh, Sesame Street. And so the neighborhoods are getting closer and closer. (laughs) Very cool. And, of course, uh, people can still see Mr. Rogers, uh, not just on uh, television, online. And there's actually an app that kids can watch it on. Yeah, it's pbskids.org. 
Org. That's an app, and download it. It's free, and you can see about 400 uh, programs. And uh, maybe my Amardillo delivery. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll certainly look for that. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Patrick. First, we wanted to know, what is Mr. McFeely's real first name? Helen, what did Patrick give us showing off a little bit? <laughs> Patrick said, David Alexander McFeely. And that's that's right. Very good. All right. We're going to give you one point of that, but uh, we always appreciate the lecture showing off. So good job on that, Patrick. Next, we wanted to know, what is the name of Mr. McFeely's rapid courier service, which was my best way of trying to hide the actual name. <laughs> Helen, what did Patrick say? Patrick said, speedy delivery. And sir? And Patrick is right again. Speedy delivery, Patrick. That's right. Very good. Another <laughs> point for Patrick. And then finally, wanted to know what was the animated spinoff of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that is currently on the air that features the character of Mr. McFeely, although voiced by a different actor. Helen, what did Patrick say? Patrick said Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Patrick was right. <laughs> Very good. Three for three, Patrick. Very nice. Uh, Patrick, while we have uh, David Newell here, anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert? Um, yeah, I mean, just first off, thank you. Thank you for everything you do to continue to, you know, uh, keep Fred's mission alive and everything you did on the show. I will say your singing the song is always one of my favorite parts of any episode. Oh, good. So oh, boy. you say you're not a singer. I, I disagree. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not in John Reardon's category, though. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, no, I mean, you had a, a, a cast full of uh, yeah. like Broadway and, and yes. Metropolitan Opera folks. So that, you know, that is, you know, something that I noticed watching in the early episodes is that uh, there was usually a cost associated with the delivery, right? It was never, yes. you know, it was never a dollar amount, but it was like, this is one, this is four. And I used yeah. that with my daughter too, which was really, really fun. Yeah, yes. And then that eventually kind of went away. I think everything on the show was pretty intentional. Was that something that, uh, what was the rationale behind that? Well, initially, I think it got numbers in. You know, that's a one, that's a four, mm. that'll cost you three. Mm. Then we went into, mm. oh, would you sign sign right here on the dotted line, Mister Rogers, and things like that. And and sometimes I would forget, I forget to ask. So it was just sort of morphed into uh, me just saying speedy delivery. It just faded away. <laughs> that, you know, Patrick, I forgot about that. <laughs> you, <laughs> how did you remember that? <laughs> I, I, mean, I have a five and a half year old daughter and oh. we have watched so much of the, of the show <laughs> and I watch it on my own now. Like I don't, you know, she, she doesn't want to watch anything. That's not her idea. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, that sounds like I, a five. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I will, if I'm having a rough night or if I just need to, uh, to center myself, I will, I will often turn on, turn on the show or listen to the music. And Johnny Costa has such a fabulous album. It's something I just, yeah, little details like that I just, you know, pick up over repeated viewing. Well, David, it's an absolute honor and treat for you to join us today. A lot of smiles all around on this call. I know if people want to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, they, of course, can do that on the PBS Kids app or at pbskids.org. And if people want to find out more about uh, Daniel Tiger or Don Quixote, the uh, social media handles for that are at Daniel Tiger TV and Donkey, D-O-N-K-E-Y, Hody, H-O-D-I-E, official. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence, everyone. It's David Newell. Speedy delivery. He said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helen, what is our scores? We head into the final round. Woo, after the end of that exciting round, Lynn Fortman has five and a half points and Patrick Parker has 12 and a half points. All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Lynn and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Lynn, you and Patrick are here because you won a contest. True. Correct. Patrick, the TV show American Idol is also a contest. True. 
Correct. Lynn, American Idol's upcoming season will be its 25th. True. Incorrect. No, just its 21st. Patrick, there's a version of American Idol in Iraq. True. Correct. Yeah, it's called Iraq Idol. Lynn, there's a version of American Idol in Germany. Uh, true. Correct. Patrick, that version is called German Idol. False. Correct. Lynn, it's called Deutschland sucht den Superstar. True. Correct. Yes, despite my accent, that is true. Uh, that, that translates to Germany searches for the superstar. Patrick, there was a spinoff of Deutschland sucht den Superstar. True. Correct. Lynn, it was a competition for kids. True. Correct. Patrick, it was called Deutschland sucht den Superstar Kids. Uh, false. Incorrect. No, it really was. <laughs> Lynn, that show's upcoming season will be its 25th. Uh, false. Correct. Patrick, that show's upcoming season will be its 10th. True. Incorrect. Lynn, that show's upcoming season will be its fifth. True. Incorrect. Patrick, there is no upcoming season of Deutschland's <laughs> Zuck den Superstar Kids. Uh, crestfallen. True? <laughs> Correct. Sorry to break it to you, buddy. Uh, Lynn, it only lasted one season. True. Correct. Patrick, just like the Go Fact Yourself listener tournaments. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, no. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're going to do it again. This was so much fun. We're so oh, happy yes. that we had Patrick and Lynn. Let's thank Patrick and Lynn as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Lynn Fortman has nine and a half points and Patrick Parker has 16 and a half points. Congratulations, Patrick. That may be our high score. <laughs> Lynn, you also had a very nice score. But Patrick, you are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself, Yay! our first listener tournament. What will you do with your championship? I just really want to say thank you, Jay, Keith, and Helen. Oh, yay! Why is this making me crave Magic Spoon? Uh, (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap up by giving everyone a chance uh, here to promote anything they might like. Lynn, if you want people to find you, where can they do that? Or anything else you might want to tell people to promote? Oh, my gosh. I'm not really on the socials for mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But um, I am so this is uh, literally a dream come true. And I I so appreciate everything. I'm so excited uh, to have been part of this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to host you. And thank you so much for doing this. Patrick, uh, <laughs> Patrick if you want to argue with people on Twitter, where can they do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at uh, the Wapuche. Uh, it's uh, at T-H-E-W-A-P-U-C-H-E. I am on social media probably because of my mental health issues. <laughs> but, uh, you know. We can work through them together. It's cool. Indeed. Well, thank you for being together with us today. Wonderful to have you. And congratulations to Patrick Parker. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Hello. Thank you. Uh, You can follow me on the socials at funny Helen Hong, because as we all know, that other Helen Hong, she's not funny. Not funny. And my comedy special, Well Hong, is streaming now on Amazon Prime and Apple TV+. Excellent. Thank you so much, as always, Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Lynn Fortman, Patrick Parker, Lynn Johnson, David Newell, all of the people who participated in our Go Fact Yourself listener tournament. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for a schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the continent. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. 
which for this show included Adam Needif. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Brian Phillips and Clint Tauscher. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Velada. Puzzles in our listener tournament were produced by Bart Gold. Special thanks to Allison Grant at Grand Communications, Inc., Christina Gorski at Fred Rogers Productions, Stephanie Van Dolaward, Tracy Ramos, and Barbara Dale. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go back to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood! Speedy delivery! She said it! She said it! All right, Helen, that is our special episode that we made for our listeners, with our listeners, for the Max Fun Drive. It was so nice. I loved that episode. I did, too. That was one of my favorites. I have to tell you, we were originally going to maybe make this a mini episode. We were maybe going to make it for our bonus content. And it turned out so well with such amazing guests and great experts that we couldn't deprive you listeners from being able to hear the whole thing for free. And please keep that in mind. You know, the show is free. It always has been. It always will be. But it's not free to make. How do we make that money? to make our show by having you support us in the Max Fund Drive. You know, surprise, surprise, J. Keith, our listeners are really cool, dope, interesting people. Yeah, uh, which is weird because I have not considered myself to be any of those things. <laughs> uh, and the listeners that we had that, uh, you know, first of all, we had a lot of people that were like great candidates to, yeah. to do a listener episode. It was but not easy. That, yeah, it no, was- it wasn't. But the two that we picked were so articulate and interesting and had such, you know, like really cool passions. And the fact that we were able to connect a couple of them with with their idols, you know, people that they heroes that they looked up to. Oh, it was so awesome. The whole process of going through this listener tournament was so cool because we didn't just pick two people out of a hat. We really uh, tried to get to know people really well. What were their interests? We did video calls with over 30 of our loyal listeners. That was such an amazing experience because when we do our live shows, they're usually in Los Angeles. We're always happy to talk to our listeners and fans after the show, but it turns out there's people elsewhere in the world besides Los Angeles. And it was an amazing (laughs) experience to literally speak with people who are in Japan or in Malaysia or Maine or Florida in the Midwest. I mean, really, I was so struck just with the diversity of locations and interest and races and genders and religions and all all sorts of different backgrounds. But what these people had in common was that they were smart, they were funny, they were generous, obviously, by contributing to the Max Fund Drive. And it was so great to be able to connect with so many people. It really inspired me to think of ways that we can do that going forward, not just around the time of the Max Fund Drive. So I'm, I'm happy to commit to during the year trying to make more events where we can get to know our listeners and they can get to know us better and have a lot of fun. Just some games, some karaoke, ask me anything. We want to hear what you would like to do so that we can make the show and the experience of being in the community of our show more beneficial to you. And that's so much of what Max Fun is about. It's the community. As you may have heard, MaxFun is going co-op, which means it will be owned by the employees who work on the shows, including our show. So with MaxFun going co-op, you can be even more sure than ever that the shows you love will have the integrity, the creative freedom, and the accountability that makes MaxFun shows so great. You know, we're not beholden to advertisers or investors or venture capitalists. We make the show we want to, and we make it for you. We do. We make it for you. And can you please help us if you support this and you like the show, please help us continue to make it for you by supporting us 
in the Max Fun Drive. That's right. And you know what? If you still need more convincing, I just got to tell you, think about the kind of shows that you want to see in the world. Isn't it frustrating when something that you love goes off the air or goes away? That's been happening a lot in the podcast world lately. Well, if you want to make sure that shows like Go Fact Yourself continue to be made and get heard by people, if you want to support the kind of entertainment that you enjoy, that you think other people ought to be listening to as well, this is the time to do it. And you only have less than a week to do it because the Max Fun Drive ends on March 31st. So please go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Get there before March 31st so you can participate in all of these exciting ways and that we can know that you care about us. Again, that's MaximumFun.org slash join and select Go Fact Yourself. Thank you. Thank you. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.